It's the final word, World Cup Daily. Adam Collins for Dushan Aharaja, the associate editor of Cricket Info, is back with us. We're here for Westfield, London, Westfield, Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Day 24, part two, Calcutta, Eden Gardens, Netherlands and uh, Bangladesh. Uh, it wasn't a game that we had high expectations for. However, it was quite interesting. Sum it up in 30 seconds. Well, if the uh, um, Eden Gardens started full of Bangladesh fans, probably the most well-attended yep. um for Bangladeshi fans uh, so far this World Cup and by the end orange was the new green um, <laughs> it was a pretty remarkable game from Netherlands point of view it looked like they were down and out you know they're 60 odd for four I think mm-hmm. at the time um, rallied 2-2-9 thanks to their middle order once more thanks to Scott Edwards mm. once more and then took all the lessons from the first innings into the second innings spinners uh, cutters into the pitch that weird little patch in the middle of the pitch that was um, getting short balls to skid on and the green patch the green patch yeah <laughs> yeah and um, they turned them over 142 um, Bangladesh all out and Netherlands won by 87 the way they were speaking about the green patch was like the wet patch uh, so all out for uh, as you say uh, 142 so a thumping victory by 87 runs after the Dutch made 229 all out from the final ball of their allotted overs Edwards the captain top scoring was 68 could have been, should have been, out twice on naught. Yeah. The whole match, Fish, uh, twists on this. Dropped in the gully uh, and then caught behind. Missed opportunity by Mushfika. As he's on zero, uh, Mustafiz is bowling. Uh, his left arm cutters over the wicket to him. Um, if either of those catches are pouched, they're 63 for five, the Dutch, and in all sorts. It wouldn't have been the first time they got themselves out of early trouble through the tournament. Vikram, no doubt, are not really um, yeah, having yeah. competitions they'd be happy with. And probably nor Colin Ackerman uh, acknowledging that he's uh, made contributions, but his ceiling is, is a fair bit higher. Um, but yeah, as you say, Edwards gets them out of trouble, but what a let off giving him three chances. Yeah, massively. So if you looked at that pitch and certainly the way people were talking about it, it seemed like it was tailor-made for Bangladesh's attack. When you yeah. consider the fact that obviously they've got the spin options, we know all about those. But Mustafiza, um, Taskin, yep. sharp, short, back of a length, exactly where that little round patch was. I think they were talking about the fact that this is clearly a ground where they play soccer because it had... The circle was perfectly spherical that was coming mm. over the pitch and it looked like that's where the centre circle would be. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, they had the ideal attack for that. As you said, they dropped Edwards twice and we actually saw what we've seen from the Netherlands all throughout this tournament. I'd say like their batting is a little bit like my hair, kind of, you know, flattering to see up front, but every a lot of the work going on in the middle and the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's remarkable really. I, I think the... The most impressive thing about this particular um, bang effort from the Netherlands, and specifically that middle order, is that so it's the second most runs uh, batters four to eight have scored this tournament. The most was I think against Sri Lanka. Um, there are other three figure score between those four positions was against South Africa in that victory. Mm. This was the slowest of the lot. This was this they really took their time and for a, it looked for a moment that they were going nowhere. But as you covered on this pod um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe even last week actually, when people are talking about the death of 50 over cricket and this and the other, this is what it gives you. It's actually on these kind of pitches where you're allowed to be a bit more considered and take some learnings from, you know, five overs ago into, you know, the rest of your innings. And I actually thought their launch at the end wasn't that successful until the final over when Logan Van Bay comes out and, you know, I think the over before hits the first six of the innings and everyone goes up and Van Bay kind of holds it together and they end up getting bowled out with a ball to spare. But I, I mean, I thought they were a bit light all told and, you know, as I said before, they the Dutch attack just kind of took it in and 
Yeah, they really did a number on Bangladesh. They've got that bounce back ability about them. Remembering this is the same Dutch side that were beaten by a, a World Cup record 309 runs in their mm. most recent start against Australia. That could, to a lesser side, to a side that didn't have the kind of preparation the Dutch have had through the World Cup Super League, who don't have the chance to build up that, mu- that muscle memory you're talking about where if they lose early wickets, like, right, we, we know how to get out of trouble because we've had to do it before. Yeah. Um, a lesser team would have fallen off the cliff after being thumped by Australia like that. But to beat another full member in Bangladesh just three days later, that says a lot. And look, yeah, it was the hitting at the end with Van Beek. I, I love the way that Dutt has played a role with the bat a few times now, hitting yeah, big yeah. bombs, You know, being a six-hitter who can come in at the very end, remembering that that partnership with... Edwards and Engelbrecht took them all the way until the 45th over. So that rebuilding job, much as it was last week when they were playing Sri Lanka, they didn't have enough runs that day, but it was a similar kind of effort with Edwards making, I think from memory, uh, not many runs then. It was um, Engelbrecht and uh, and uh, possibly Van Beek down the list making both half centuries. So nevertheless, it's been enough runs to win today. Um, and I just think that with Netherlands, the other thing you, that's worth remembering is it's, it feels like it's marginal gains. Like they spend every media interview saying they, they believe they can be semi-finalists. Now, mathematically, that's almost impossible, right? Yeah. They're off the bottom yeah. of the ladder. That's England's spot now for the time being and almost certainly will be after they lose to India tomorrow <laughs> unless something remarkable happens um, in their game in luck now. But, um, you know, the Dutch haven't come here to make up the numbers. They haven't uh, rocked up at this tournament to... Um, sort of be on glorified work experience and and to walk away saying, well, wasn't that a jolly good thing being an associate nation playing in a World Cup? They are here to beat full member nations, to give themselves a chance of, yeah, they're not going to make the semis this time. That, that task is too much. But to get there one day, and I have a huge amount of admiration for the fact that it isn't just uh, O'Dowd with the notes in his pocket now. They've all, I've sort of three or four of them pulling um, notes yeah. out of their pocket. It's like, if we can get, like it's the one percenters. If it's a small marginal gain yeah. from knowing that, right, the analyst says we stand a bit squarer for this batsman, a bit finer for this batsman. You know, it's little bits of information like that. A better side, a more gifted team may not feel the need to take on every last morsel of information the way the Dutch clearly are. So, yeah, credit to them. I think the other thing is that um, when associate nations, well, I say associate nations, of course, Afghanistan aren't one of them, but when the Afghanistan side beat England, beat Pakistan, and when the Dutch beat South Africa, we said they were upsets. They were surprise wins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a debate online as to whether that, that word should have been used. But given the gap in experience and all the rest of it, I genuinely think that was a fair, uh, a fair tag, an upset. This didn't feel an upset to me. No, Bangladesh no. had been rubbish through this tournament. I was thinking about it this morning, and my assessment was that this was a 50-50 game. In the end, the Dutch smashed Bangladesh. They've been the better team through the tournament. Yeah, yeah, without question. I think the the other thing that um, should be said about a team like Netherlands is you think of a lot of the non-negotiables that you would apply to the bigger teams. I think one of the non-negotiables for the Netherlands throughout, and it's something they've prided themselves on, are basically their fitness both in terms of running twos. They always talk about like, the number of twos they run. and Dropping it at their feet as well. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, their running between the wickets has been exceptional, but also in the field as well. You know, Paul van Meekeren was um, player of the match in this one with his three-fur um, and spent most of the time talking about the fielding. They talked about yep. a specific hitting drill that they, uh, they, they do at the start of every game day. They spend about 20 minutes, a half an hour doing it every training session as well. Um, obviously, Bazdaleda gets a run out here yeah. um, to get rid of Mamadoula, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, the Centurion for Bangladesh. Oh, it, it was Mehdi Hassan. But, oh, so Mehdi Hassan. But, but, but nevertheless, yeah, it, it yeah. was in that partnership he was forming with Mamadoula. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, that has a big impact there. I'd also say, actually, with this Dutch side, bear in mind, as you said, coming back from the shellacking they got at the hands of Australia, not only have they come into this side not to be, you know, just the. <laughs> 
on the you know that name on the wrong side of history, whether mm. it's Herschel Gibbs hitting six sixes mm. or mm. Maxwell doing what he did, so Baz Deleda gets the um, ignominy of conceding the most runs in an ODI, and he came back brilliantly today. By the he way, he did, yeah. Um, but it's not just that. I think you can also look at this campaign from Netherlands and and say they probably underperformed. You know, you mentioned the fact that the openers haven't been doing the business, and you look through those scorecards mm-hmm. from previous games where they Sri Lanka, for example where you know what you're going to get from the middle order, you just haven't got it from the top order. Bear in mind where everyone else has been scoring their runs in this World Cup. They've got a legitimate reason to, you know, take the wins that they've got at the end of this World Cup, whether they add a couple more to that, who knows. But also look back and think, that wasn't our best self. We've impressed a lot of people, we've done a lot of things right, but our bankers coming into this tournament haven't quite done it up top. I think they'll feel similar to the way they did after last year's T20 World Cup when mm. they make the Super 12s. I think that's what the second stage is called of that tournament. I get a yeah, bit confused right. with the, the T20. But they, they their cricket got um, progressively worse until the final game when they knocked off South Africa. There's a couple of games where they, they might have won mm. had they played their best cricket. So um, we, haven't, we haven't even mentioned their bowling performance, which was superb off the top. Um, edges going through and flying through at yeah. pace with the extra bounce and all the rest of it. I think Lytton Das nicked off, uh, Tanzit Hassan nicked off, Shanto nicked off, Shakib Al-Hassan nicked off. Van Meekroom was a big part of that story, as was Logan Van Beek, who got rid of Tanzit. He's looked good at different times through the competition, made a half century against India about a week ago. Yeah, but the big wickets are Van Meekroom's. Shanto, who has a very high ceiling, yeah, yeah. and Shakib, who has all the experience in the world. They um, edged off for nine and five, respectively. And then Van Meekroom... Uh, the third wicket in that sequence, an absolute screaming delivery off the seam to Mushfika Rahim, uh, the wicketkeeper and veteran, bowls him for one. And at that point, they're 69 for five. And, you know, it's game over. Yeah, barring something miraculous from Marmadullah. Yeah. Um, and they tried to consolidate and it didn't quite work out. But, you know, they kind of uh, took their head off the snake, as it were. And they were able to dictate terms. And it meant that, you know, even if Bangladesh batted into the 43rd over, they were never any chance of hauling down 229. No, I mean, that is... You, you say there about the fact that it wasn't, it didn't, this didn't feel like an upset, and I think that hammered home um, at the, you know, the back end of that Bangladesh innings where it looked like Bangladesh were trying to preserve run rate. Yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Knowing yeah. that from this point in the competition, Bangladesh's run rate is neither here nor there. One error before though, like Lytton Dust was out to Dutt, who gets another wicket bowling yeah. at the top inside the power plays. Done that on three or four occasions through the tournament, and we know. Uh, how important Lytton Dusk can be to the side. Just moving to Bangladesh for a sec, Vish. Um, they have badly underperformed here. They made the quarterfinals in 2015 and lost to India, but a competitive quarterfinal. They had a really nice run in 2019. They beat South Africa on opening weekend, a brilliant uh, performance there. Um, they knocked off the West Indies in style down in Taunton with a century from Shakib. They won a couple of other games. I think they missed the uh, the semis by a game plus net run rate, right? Um, so from where they were, they have an excellent World Cup Super League run. They win all of their series at home. This is a, a competition being played in, you know, not exactly what it, like it is in Bangladesh, but, you know, fairly similar for one-day cricket. And they've just not fired a shot whatsoever. And if anything, it's going to get harder for them. They play um, Pakistan in Kolkata next start. I know Pakistan are almost out of semi-final calculations themselves now, but um, it does feel to me like Bangladesh, uh, the, the, the side who throughout the three weeks we've been, three or four weeks we've been watching so far, along with England, are the most disappointing. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the lead-up into the tournament with all the kerfuffle around Tony McBarl, um, you kind of, I don't know, I got, I got a sense this was coming. And just because of the nature of the way that even someone like Shakib had to be pitted against Tamim yeah. in, in all those discussions. So ridiculous, yeah. Just a ridiculous distraction anyway. I mean, Bangladesh do have this in them to 
you know, the scale of infighting is perhaps unbeknownst to a lot of people because ultimately the coverage comes from purely Bangladesh fans. It's not so yep. much like, you know, when it kicks off in Australia, you get people in England looking over thinking, well, I'd quite like to write about that. It doesn't <laughs> quite happen with a country like Bangladesh. And obviously vice versa with Australia and England. But I think the other thing that, um, you know, if you think about the news alone off field in the last week with um, Shakib going back to Bangladesh to have a tra- like a one-day training session mm. with his mentor... There was a lot of complaints about like how can a captain leave his team and they're like that. You also got to remember that the visa situation in India is far from straightforward and it probably makes more sense for Shakib to go back to Bangladesh for that training session rather than his coach to come the other way. Sure. So yeah, that in itself was, I, I don't know if it's a distraction. Is you know your best player trying to find that extra bit of spark? Is that, is that a distraction? Probably not, but mm. it certainly is sold that way. Um, so it's been it's been quite sad, especially given that you kind of looked at that team going into it, and you thought actually there's a lot of youth underlying the experience that they have, and you know it hasn't quite been a great well it hasn't been a great tournament for Tanzid Hassan, but he's someone who hopefully is only going to be better for this experience, you know, the mini Tamim, but Mehdi Hassan as well in part has shown um, you know the, the responsibility that he's just taking on. We know he's going to be the new Shakib. I yeah. think he's already in that role now. It's again is probably want a bit more from him with the bat but I quite like the fact you know he, he batted a four today you know yep. that in itself is is a good step forward for him but yeah otherwise you know I'm clutching the straws here really because it has mm. been a disappointing campaign for them yeah it's like we're, we're the, the senior players we were referring to before with the Dutch who not all of them are fired but like all of them have found a way to make a contribution at one point or yeah. another Engelbrecht's yeah. another one today right that's the second game in a row where he's been able to yeah. have some kind of influence where that's not really happening for Bangladesh okay uh, Vish let's move on to the final word Hall of Fame the Final Word Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Um, as you can probably tell by how I'm decked out, it is cold outside. Yeah, very. Um, we have just been in here. Normally, I'm not too into the Halloween thing. My instincts, my reflex as an Australian from a certain generation, I suppose, is not so keen on all that American stuff. American, The yeah. Americanization of Australia, I've always been a bit resistant to. A lot of respect for America. love America. But, you know, <laughs> um, we, we don't always need to follow them down every every um, every. Uh, tradition and holiday they have and so on but um, my, my three-year-old um, is at nursery um, learning about Halloween and she's just been carving out a pumpkin uh, in front of us here before we started recording which is a lovely thing to do um, but what it kind of uh, triggered me to thinking is bloody hell it's it's this is when the Christmas stuff starts isn't it I saw photographs yeah. a couple of days ago of the giant Christmas trees at shopping centers and all the rest of it well this is what got me thinking the giant Christmas tree in one shopping center in Melbourne which I saw on social media that gigantic Christmas tree at Westfield London if that's not already up it'll be up in time for ice skating which begins in the first or second week I think of November ice skating at Westfield London we're going to be going Rach and I on the opening night on the 9th of November I'm going to suggest you come down as well uh, with your wife Olympia Vish we're going to have a nice night out and we're going to do that and we're going to tell everybody about it and we're going to skate around what's been dubbed the biggest Christmas tree in Europe oh wow yes England win again I know. I'll take that. Biggest Christmas tree in Europe. So weather getting colder, those kind of winter activities, not just autumnal things like getting a roast. Don't get me wrong. Love having a roast on a Sunday um, at a pub in London or whatever. But winter has another vibe to it uh, again. And and we're going to make the most of that at Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. Google them and get yourself down to the ice skating. Uh, The final web moment of the day for you, Vish. What jumped out when you were watching? I think it was... um Oh the, oh, the moment of the day, actually, yeah. Um, I think it might have been Baz the Leader's run out because it was yeah. very important. And also, 
I thought he bounced back brilliantly with the ball and it was quite it was just a moment that summed up the, this iteration of the Netherlands really not beholden to the pace things not beholden to being the whipping boys just mm. more about okay yes it was a you know a hall of fame defeat as it were a hall of shame defeat <laughs> but we're better than that we know we're better than that Baz Delado knows he's better than that and I thought it was just the perfect all-encompassing moment of what the Dutch are about yeah, it's, it's nicely put. Um, hey, a bit of love for Eden Gardens, right? Like, how good is that, yeah, that we yeah. we take this tournament to one of the most famous cricket grounds in the world? I feel like that Eden Gardens doesn't get the love it used to. I feel like it's, you know, I often see uh, very respected colleagues of ours in India who who speak of the, the Wanka Day, the work, rest and play, uh, as the stadium in India, or, or Ahmedabad being the new home of Indian cricket. Yeah. What about the joint that, you know, used to have 100,000 people packing into it? Yeah. I know they've done the redevelopment and all the rest of it. The thing I love about Calcutta, the overhead aerial shots on telly today, the practice pitches over in the side corner, not on the strip, which you might see at England grounds, where yeah. the pitches yeah, yeah, yeah. at the Oval go all the way across, don't you know? Full value. Full value for your shots. Where Whereabouts at the Oval? Square, Square of the wicket. Square. Uh, so, but um, in the pocket, it's like how it used to be at the MCG. So the MCG in what is now the AFL members' pocket or flank on the Great Southern Stand side, the Shane Warne Stand side, had practice wickets there. And that was kind of a thing in footy. It, you'd hear on footy commentary over on the practice wickets and so on. Okay. Uh, but that, that's that's no longer the case. But I, I like the fact that they're still at um, Calcutta where there'll be a lot of cricket over the next three weeks, including the semi-final that India won't be in. I think that's how they... Right, agree to also right. say so if India make the semi-final they'll play at Mumbai well they're obviously going to make the semi-final and lock that up tomorrow anyway um, and uh, yeah Paul Van Meeker and uh, breaking the Zing Bale when knocking over Mushita. yes yeah, yeah, that yeah. can't be easy to do they're heavy fuckers no no he, um, yeah he was very impressive I think yeah. he's the kind of person like the other thing about this Dutch side is a lot of you know Dutch born players in the team which I know like obviously we, we live in a, a very international cosmopolitan mm. world right now and we get people from all over representing our country and I think that's one of the great things about international sport me personally but also that's kind of you know that that is your you put your flag in a country when you go over and I suppose enhance whatever area it is you enhance in whatever fields you purvey and I quite I just like the fact that in a in a still a relatively new cricket country we're seeing it come through a grassroots level and take his good embodiment of that. All right, Vish, as we bid farewell to you, uh, you can read everything Vish does. It's all great on the Crick Info <laughs> website. You're writing a piece tonight about the Dutch middle order. I am indeed, yeah. So I've workshopped can... a bit of it here. Yeah, I was going to say, we've worked yeah. through a, you know, a few notes <laughs> what we've taken out the back of our uh, conversation. We'll be talking with you again on the podcast soon, I'm certain. Tomorrow is England and India at Lucknow. Um, I'm tipping a lot of people are going to watch that on YouTube. Get involved. <laughs> Follow us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the final word. Our history show is coming out on Monday. Um, and I've happened upon one of the best stories we've ever done in the three or four, shit, four years of making that show. So if you're a regular Final Word listener, better still, if you're not, Jeff and I make a history program. This is the 156th episode of it. And there's a story about what, something that happened in 1879, which will blow your minds. Uh, and the next Netherlands game, just to finish off with housekeeping, it's against Afghanistan on Friday at Lucknow. Uh, that's extremely winnable. Mm -hmm. uh, both sides deserve to beat each other in a way. They both deserve a third win. Anyway, one will come out victorious. Uh, that's it. That's us done. Our coverage is always for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. The Dutch, brilliant. They get a second win.